behind uh, not only uh, the church that he serves, but his family, his wife Grace, and four children, uh, 10, 8, 5, and 2, uh, little ones to bigger ones, um, all, uh, yeah, just uh, beautiful children. I've gotten to meet them over the past uh, five years, and uh, really, uh, really enjoy uh, seeing that when I see them, I see a little, uh, little Pastor David's running around. Uh, they look like him, and they're uh, sweet like him. But I, I love to hear the word of God through Pastor Dave. Uh, many of you have met him uh, maybe about 10 or 12 years ago in the Dominican Republic as we uh, have done many uh, mission trips together and have experienced the, the favor and the blessing of God in, in that context. Um, we've had a, a great weekend as he's been ministering to us through the word of God. Um, these messages will be up on our podcast very shortly. Um, there is a, a, a video feed of them that um, could be made available if you missed it and you'd like to. Um, you, can, um, you can get them. You can ask uh, the people at our sound table, Pastor Daniel and James can get that to you. Um, but I, um, I'm excited to hear the word of God once again for the third time. This is kind of the middle of our R&R weekend. Uh, I, love, I love the word of God delivered through Pastor Dave because um, as he mentioned last night, one of the closing things he said was that um, a lot of believers in our day and age, a lot of Christians um, are weak spiritually. Like we're weak, uh, we don't have a, a sense of perseverance and spiritual stamina. But one of the things I've noticed uh, in Pastor Dave's life through very difficult times of his life, uh, through great times of his life, there is a consistency and a steadiness and a man who walks uh, the walk and lives out his faith and lives out the things that he preaches. And so um, I can easily receive the word of God through him because I know that he not only speaks it, but he lives it as well. And so we're going to be blessed and encouraged once again. Give a round of applause, Pastor David Kang, as he comes to share with us. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's uh, great to be here. We'll get right into it because uh, you don't need to hear a word from me, but you need to hear a word from God. And so Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 to 9, and the title of this morning's message is Recapturing Our Thinking, Recapturing Our Thinking, and uh, that outline is in your handout in your program, so if you want to take notes, you know, feel free to do that. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 to 9. The Word of God states, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Word of God. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your abundant grace and mercy in our lives. It is true. How great is your love? And even if we just think about that phrase, it would take an eternity to understand the greatness of your love. We are finite beings but you are an infinite God. So even though we cannot fully understand the greatness of your love, that's not going to stop us. We want to imagine. We want to think. We want to wonder. Oh, we want to recapture the greatness of your love because you just want to pour that down upon each and every one of us here this morning. So God, may we engage with you. May we engage with the God that is always engaging with us. Capture us. We love you, God. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
recapturing our thinking. Randy Pope, he's a pastor of a church in Atlanta called Perimeter Church, a very good church. And he shared at a pastor's conference that I was at, he said this. He said one day when he was a child, he ran into his dad's office at home. And his father always made himself available to his children whenever they wanted to come in to his office. But this time it was different. When Randy ran in, his father stopped him and asked him, Son, I'm just wondering, is what you need really important at this time? Randy stopped, and he said, No. Then his father proceeded, said, Son, can you give me some time to think? So Randy said, Sure. How long? And his father said, One hour. Give me one hour to think. Randy, as this little boy, he walked away. One hour to think? What can anybody think about for one hour? And he was baffled by it. And that has never left him. He's seen the value of thinking. And I think that's part of the reason why his church has grown so much. Because he values thinking. But it's not just thinking. Thinking about the Word of God. Henry Ford, I think a lot of us, we know who he is. Or at least you should. The inventor of the automobile. He said this. He said, thinking is the hardest work there is. Which is probably the reason why so few people engage in it. Absolutely true. Are you a thinker? Are you the type of thinker that Henry Ford is talking about? Are you the type of thinker that Randy Pope's father would talk about? This message is called Recapturing Our Thinking because I believe that's what needs to happen in our lives, in our society. Pastor D.L., he was talking about how our society is weak, how our generation is weak. It's because we're so captured by our feelings. We go with how our feelings go. But we don't go with what is eternally worthwhile thinking about. That is why. In order to be a strong people, you need to have strong minds. But it's not just strong minds in anything. You have to think about that which is strong, which is true, which is real. And I think that is what Paul is talking about in this book. Paul, this person that did a 180, complete transformation. He was one smart dude. He was a thinker. He was a scholar. He knew the Old Testament. But then when Jesus encountered him, everything changed. And now he was thinking about what's eternally true. And now he uses his mind to love the Lord and to help people to love the Lord. So we're going to learn lessons about recapturing our thinking. So, if I could ask you for the next hour, really think hard. Because I think that as you think hard during this hour, I really believe that it can revolutionize your life. It can lay a foundation for how you think through things. I really believe that. So three lessons that we're going to learn about recapturing our thinking. First of all, focus your thinking. Secondly, put your thinking into practice. And lastly, 
see God in the midst of your thinking. We're going to get into it. Focus your thinking. The reason why I'm saying put on your thinking caps, because there's a lot to talk about in here. These three verses are just chock full of eternal truths. So, Paul says, think about such things. Think about these things. This word think, it's more than keep in mind. It means, according to Paul's definition, oh, this is rich. It means to reckon, to calculate, to take into account, and as a result, to evaluate everything. Ooh, that's good. It includes within its range of meaning the ideas of to ponder or to dwell upon something. <laughs> so when you think, do you have this definition of thinking? Do you think so? There's a difference in thinking and letting it cross your mind. I believe that a lot of people, when they say, hey, I'm thinking, they just let it cross their mind. It goes in one ear and out the other. That type of thinking is like microwaving. That's not good. If you were to go to a restaurant, let's say a wing place, and they said, we're going to serve your wings. Hold on, give me one minute. Boop, 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 boop. They put it in the microwave. Here you go. Oh, no, it's not going to be good. But if you go to a wing place, they cook it. They double fry it. They take their time to look over that food and to do it very, very well. They let it dwell within that oil. They let it dwell within the marinade. Oh, those are going to be good wings. Our thinking so often is like microwaving. But I think Paul's thinking, it's pondering. Let, let, that, let those thoughts marinate. Let your heart and soul marinate within those thoughts. Dwell upon it. That's what Paul is thinking about here. So perhaps as Paul employs that word think, he's saying Philippian church, you must critically think through the surrounding culture and evaluate carefully its morality. Oh, and I think that's true for us today. We need to think about all that surrounds us, what's going on. So, what should we focus on? What should we focus our thinking on? Paul gives us eight things. And we're going to talk about them quickly, but keep up. So, he says, focus on whatever is true. And I'll put in parentheses something that's going to be helpful for you to take away. Whatever is real. How much of your time is spent about thinking on real things? Or do you think about virtual reality things? I think a lot of people, they spend their time gaming. Or pornography. Gaming, pornography would not fall into this category of whatever is true. How much of your thinking leads to what is eternally true? Paul is th saying, think about such things. Think about next, whatever is honorable or awe-inspiring, whatever is worthy of honor, whatever is majestic. Now, I think this is tough in this day and age. 
Because we've downgraded what is awesome. We toss around phrases like OMG with things that really are not worthy of OMG. Or we say hashtag I'm dead for things that really are not that awesome. That's okay. That's okay to say OMG or I'm dead if you see a cute cat. That's okay. But don't miss out on what is awesome. What's awesome? Awesome are things that no human being can do. It is. Even, man, when you look at creation, can you do that? When you look at a baby being born, wow. That is seriously awesome. Next, on whatever is just, whatever is right in satisfying one's responsibility. See, whatever is righteous, not only in relation to others, but in relation to God. So giving God what he is rightfully due. It involves duty and responsibility. It entails satisfying all obligations and responding to what is dutiful. So, do you you calculate how to take care of your responsibilities well? Do you think about it? Or do you just do a sloppy job, just try to get it over and done with? Paul is saying, think about how to take care of your responsibilities well. On whatever is pure, what will prepare you for God? Whatever is pure, not only from bodily sins, but that prepares someone or something for God. So think about things that will prepare you for God. Do you do these things? I think this impacts our time before services. Do you prepare yourself to receive the word of God, to worship the Lord? One thing that my parents' generation would do, one thing that my parents do, is that before they would go to church, first thing that they would do when they got to church, or first thing that they would do when they go to a residence, is they would just pray. They would pray and say, God, I want to worship you while I'm here. And God, I want to be a witness for you while I'm here. I think we've lost that great tradition. To be mindful, God, I want to be pure and I'll be used for you. And whatever is lovely, whatever leads to love. So whatever is full of love and leads to love. So you've set your mind on things that do not elicit bitterness or hostility from others, but rather admiration and affection. So this would automatically eliminate gossip. Do you think about things that are lovely and that leads to love? On whatever is commendable, whatever is winsome, whatever is worthy of praise. What is winsome? Well, those things that are kind and likely to win people. Therefore, avoiding what is likely to give offense. So, what are things that can win people over to God? Those that are winsome, check this, those that are winsome are able to win some. Are you able to win some over to the Lord? Do you think about how you could be that way? If there's any excellence, whatever shows the excellence of God in all creation, being excellent in what you do. And I think that's the greatness of your work. It isn't just people in full-time ministry, but also lay ministry. As you're doing that, you can really show the excellence of God through your task. And last but not least, 
that there's anything worthy of praise. Not giving offense may be the implication here. What are these things that can give more glory and praise to God? So, over all these eight things, examine your thinking. What consumes most of it? Because if you don't examine your thinking, if we don't learn to think, then somebody else will think for you. If you don't learn to train your mind, somebody else will capture your mind, and you'll just go that way. So focus your thinking on these things. Focus will take intentionality, even if you don't feel like it. Focus will take hard work. This verb focus, it's an imperative present. It's imperative, meaning it's command, but also in the present, meaning continuously do this. So although you may not want to hear this type of message, you may not want to feel like thinking, Paul is saying, you got to focus. Focus on these things. See, we remember the things that we love. You do. You remember songs that you just jive with. You remember the verses. You remember just facts that you love. You remember those things because your heart is attuned to it. But you not only remember things that you love, but you also remember things that you memorize. Pi, 3.14, blah, 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 blah. Right? Some people, they memorize it all. Do they love pi, that number? No. But they learn to memorize it. Um, there was this one scholar, D.A. Carson. When his children were little, the age of two, he would start reciting scripture to them. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, does not boast, does not envy, does not proud. And he would do that over and over and over again with his little children that are two. They, they weren't even able to talk. But then they slowly started to talk. And one day, as he did this, love is, and he paused. His little child said, patient. Oh, love is kind. <laughs> Does not envy. <laughs> Keeps no record. Of, wow. He's like, I got a genius here. But how did this child do this? Memorization. I did this with my kids, too when they were two and three. My kids are not as smart as his kids, but they were able to do it. Now they're eight and ten, they don't know it anymore. They forgot. But we remember the things that we love, and you remember the things that you memorize. So sometimes people say, Pastor David, I don't feel like doing my quiet times. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like going to small group. What should I do? And I say, thanks for being honest. But even though, even though you don't feel like doing these things, you do it. Because this is the word of life. This will lead you to life. And this will give you life. So you read it. You memorize it. You get into it so that it will get into you. Focus on these things. We need to focus on these things because we're so prone to get distracted. I want to show you this video. It takes place, it's from this movie called uh, For Love of the Game. It's a baseball movie back in the day. Kevin Costner. And uh, you'll see that he's a pitcher and he's facing a lot of adversity here. But he says this one phrase, clear the mechanism. And you'll see what happens. Check it out. 
We need to clear the mechanism. So many voices, so many things to think about. You got Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. But we need to focus on this book. I think churches generally are weak because how much time do we spend before his word? If you don't spend time in his word thinking about these things, you're not going to be recaptured by him, but you're going to be recaptured by this world. That's why you've got to focus on these things. If you're not thinking about God, then you may be sinking away from God. And rather than sinking from God, God wants you to dive deeper into him. In order not to sink away from him, you've got to think. Focus your thinking. But Paul, he doesn't just say, focus your thinking. That's step one. But now put that thinking into practice. That leads us to the next point. Put your thinking into practice. Confucius, he says this, a great thinker. He says, knowledge without practice is useless. But practice without knowledge is dangerous. They got to be coupled together. So practice. Practice means to do or accomplish. And just like that word focus, this is imperative present. So continuously be intentional about putting your thinking into practice. I think this entails a couple things. You need to practice thinking about what is right. You need to focus. You have to keep on practicing doing that. But now you have to practice putting that into action. That's what Paul is saying. The intention of thinking is to affect their living. Think about God so that you may live for God. Think about beautiful things so that the things you do will be beautiful. Think about things that are eternally real so that what you do will have an eternally real impact. So practice. I don't know about you, but I love that word practice. I don't mind hard work. I don't mind training. I don't mind failure at times because I know I'm imperfect. But I know that as you practice, you get better. But you got to keep on getting back up. Practice is a human thing. God never has to practice because God is perfect. But we're human, 
So we fail, and that's why we have to practice because we're not perfect. Malcolm Gladwell, one very, very smart guy, New York Times bestseller, he said this, practice isn't the thing you do once you are good, but it's the thing that you do that makes you good. Another person said this, there is no glory in practice, but without practice, there is no glory. And one person said this, don't practice until you get it right, but practice until you don't get it wrong. Maybe you're like, oh, my mom said that. Don't practice until you get it right, but practice until you don't get it wrong. We have to learn to practice, to embrace the grace of practicing. But practice, put these things into practice with the intent of being discipled. Paul says in verse 7, heard and seen in me. What you have heard and seen in me, put these things into practice with the intent of being discipled. So whatever you heard or seen as being characteristic of Paul, put these things into practice. I think Paul is really thinking about discipleship here. As you observe me, as you hear me, as you hear my words, As you see how I live, put these things into practice so that you can become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. He says, follow me, or more so, follow my following of Jesus Christ. So he's saying, observe the way that I think, observe the way that I live, not so that you can only become my disciple, but so that you can become a disciple of Jesus Christ. I I shared some of these verses yesterday, but these are some of my favorite verses that have helped me to be discipled by Paul. Philippians 1.21, you have it in your outline. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And that is how Paul is thinking. Even when I'm not getting what I want, it's okay. Because I can have more of Christ. And then Philippians 3.10-11, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And may share in his sufferings. Oh, so good. Becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. He's saying, get out of my way. I'm going to follow Christ. Whatever it takes, I'm going to go for it. So I want to know him more. I want that attitude. Become a disciple. So you learn, you put these things into practice so that you can be a disciple of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> one, one a nugget of wisdom, one of the fastest ways to grow in your relationship with God, get close to those that are close to God. When I went to the University of Illinois for my college time, four years of undergrad there, and then I did three years of grad school, and then I stayed one year to work there. My my first four years, very, very proud. I was just thinking, I could just live for God on my own. I'm not going to listen to people. So I got asked to be a part of the worship team my junior year. And then after some time, I was like, this stinks. I can't worship God through it because I did the soundboard. Praise you. I mean, not praise you, praise God, but thank God for you. But as I was doing the soundboard, I was like, I can't worship God. So I'm like, I'm going to quit. One of my pastors called me, Pastor Milo Cho, called me and he said, are you sure you want to quit? You can learn so much through being a part of the worship team. I said, uh, no thanks. Okay, I quit. I got asked my senior year to be a part of the leadership team. I said, uh, no thanks. I'm going to serve in other ways. 
first four years, I grew. But then the last four years that I was on campus, I became part of the leadership team. And I started to learn from older people. I started to get close to people that were close to God. Started to listen to their advice, thinking patterns. Even though I didn't completely agree with it, I started to adhere to it. My first four years, I grew. But the last four years, I started to really grow. This was so much more. Paul is saying, put these things into practice so that you could be discipled. But the last thing he says here is so that you could pass along to others. Wow, that's good. He's saying, be blessed so that you could be a blessing onto others. He says in verse 7, learn what, what you have learned and received, what you have heard and seen. Learned and received. It's the receiving of a tradition for the purpose of handing it on to others intact. So Paul is saying, carefully receive this teaching so that you can pass it on to other people intact. Paul is saying, be trained so you can train others. Albert Einstein, another smart guy, he said this, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. That's so true. If you can't explain it simply, then you don't understand it well enough. If you can't teach, if you can't teach it, then you really don't know it. I think too many of us in the church say, I know, I know, I know, and we don't grow Rather than saying, I know, be hungry to grow. Really examine, do you really know? Have you really learned? So how do you know if you've learned? Those that have learned are able to teach. Have you really learned it? How do you know if you've received? Then you're able to give. And how do you know if others have received? They're able to train. Oh, that's so different. Are you able to do that? That's one of my responsibilities as a pastor, to teach and to train. And how do I know if I'm able to, if I've trained someone? If now, when they're by themselves, are they able to train other people? Paul is saying, you learn so that you can pass it along to other people. With, listen with the intent of putting into practice, but listen with the intent so that others can put into practice. Why is evangelism so weak in the church? Because discipleship is weak. We need to be Christian scholars with intent to learn, but also Christian practitioners putting into practice what we have learned. Half of the battle is to get into the church so that we could get the message of God in us. But the other half is that when we're outside of the church to live that message out, we can only give what we have. Maybe the reason why we don't reach out to others is because when we reach in, there isn't much. Paul is saying, you need to put these things into practice with the intent of being discipled and the intent of putting, passing that on to others. 
Now, this seems like a tall task. But what's our hope? The last thing. See God in the midst of your thinking. That's what Paul is doing. He's not just thinking about his mind, not just thinking about the church, but he's seeing God in the midst of his thinking. He says at the end of verse 9, and the God of peace will be with you. God will be with you. And that's the truth. Paul knows that God will be with his people. So our lives are not left to our own efforts. God will be with you. So God is focused on you, even when you're not focused on him. See, so see God in the midst of your thinking. If you don't see God in the midst of your thinking, then you're not really thinking. If you don't see like God in the midst of your thinking, then you're not really thinking. John Piper, famous pastor, he said this as he was watching Lord of the Rings. He was watching it with his wife, and then he turned to her during one of the scenes, one of the majestic scenes, and he says, God is so good. <laughs> From Lord of the Rings. I think they just saw like all these orcs and dwarves and that stuff. But what he was saying, he was saying, as I see this cinematography, that a person is able to capture all these things and to create all these things, he doesn't just see their creation, but he sees the creator that created them. In his thinking, he's seeing God and seeing like God. See God in the midst of your thinking. Dwell on the one who is dwelling amongst you. God will be with you. But God can give peace. God can give peace because God is the God of peace. Peace means shalom. In the Old Testament, it means wholeness. In the New Testament, it means tranquility. So there is no tranquility without wholeness. Sometimes it's hard to be at peace. Sometimes it's because our minds are full of thoughts that lead to worry. But thinking about these things in verse 8, it will lead to peace. It's not just wishful thinking, but the reason why it's going to lead to peace is because the one who gives peace, he's the one that encapsulates all of verse 8. Check it. Verse 8, once again, says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about such things. Who's the one that gives peace? Jesus. So, wherever it says, whatever, replace it with Jesus. Jesus is true. Jesus is honorable. Jesus is just. Jesus is pure. Jesus is lovely. Jesus is commendable. Jesus is excellent, worthy of praise. Think about these things, these eight characteristics, because in the end, it describes Jesus. The reason why we can have peace as we think about these things is because Jesus is the one who gives us peace. When the just thing to do was to condemn us to hell for our sins, the just one did what was honorable and awesome. He took the responsibility through bearing our sins, taking on our punishment, and dying in our place on the cross. He made us pure and lovely. He made us commendable not condemnable. 
because he was condemned in our place. When all was lost, he lost it all so we could be one. The winsome one, the excellent one, the praiseworthy one, he is our peacemaker. He is Jesus Christ. So there is something that people say, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. N-O Jesus, then N-O peace. But when you K-N-O-W Jesus, then you K-N-O-W peace. We go through difficult times, and it's hard. But peace is not in the absence of the storm, but peace is in the presence of the Savior. So savor the Savior. Think about him. Think about such things. Francis Chan, he said this, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't matter. Oh, I've met many, many smart people in my life, many geniuses, many people that have gone to Ivy Leagues, so on and so forth, and their parents have said, I want you to go to an Ivy League, and that's great and all. But in the midst of that, they have forsaken God. They think that they're geniuses. And they've, they have captured so much excellence in this life. But just like Francis Chan said, one of the scariest things is to succeed at things that do not matter in this life. You've got to think about that, what is eternally worthwhile. Think about these things. There's this quote here. One of my favorite quotes, it says, your thoughts lead to words, words lead to actions, actions lead to habits, habits lead to character, and your character becomes your destiny. And that is so true. Your thoughts lead to your words, your words lead to your actions, actions becomes your habits, what you do continuously and your habits become your character, who you are. And your character, it really shapes your destiny. What you're going to do. But where does it all start? Within your thoughts. I would probably add one more thing. Also your heart. You're going to do what you love. But also, you're going to think about what you love. But also, you're going to love what you think about. We have to learn to think about such things. That's what God wants us to do because God wants our destiny to be Jesus Christ. That's why. If you want Jesus Christ to be your destiny, then you think about him. Learn to think about Jesus and learn to think like Jesus. As we end, I uh, just want to show you a picture. So one day, I was at my parents' house, and I found a crate full of my old things. I haven't lived at my parents' house for, I don't know, like 20 years. And so I was there, and I found a crate of my old things. And as I rummaged through it, I found six notebooks full of sermon notes from my time in college. Those eight years. And during those eight years, I counted all the pages, 
over 1,300 pages of sermon notes. And during that time, the first four years I grew, last four years I grew exponentially. And me, when the word of God was being preached, my head was down. I was just taking notes voraciously. My heart was on fire, but also my pen was on fire. I just wanted to learn so much. I wanted to be a sponge. So I rummaged through all those things, and I found a lot of stuff. I used to be a chemistry teacher. I found all my old chemistry teaching stuff. I chucked it. Found some old, old toys. I chucked it. But this, it was in my parents' house, but now it's in my house. Because this was treasure to me, and it still is treasure to me. I don't take notes on a notebook anymore. I take notes on a tablet and a computer now. But the reason why I do that is because I want God to write on the tablet of my heart. That is why. God, won't you write your word onto my heart so that my heart will love like you? God, won't you write on the tablet of my mind so that my mind will think about you and that my mind will learn to think like you? That's why I say, when I preach, the last thing that you need is a word from a man. Well, what people need is a word from God. And now as I preach, I hope that as I preach as a man, that my mind will be in so tune with God, that people will hear the word of God. So many of us are malnourished. So many Christians are malnourished. Not out of the lack of God's food, but because we don't eat his word. Learn to eat. We're so busy filling our minds with the things of this world. But feast on God's word. Because the mind is the mouth of the soul. So feast on God's word because it is the food for our souls. These, this is his love letter to us. But it's also his instruction book teaching us how to live like him and how to love him. It teaches us how to see reality. We are so worldly. The more and more that I interact with our generation, truth be told, we're so worldly. We think like this world, all of us. But rather than being worldly, learn to be wordly. You got to saturate yourself in God's word. Hold on to the word of God, and the word of God will hold on to you. Press into the word of God so that the word of God can press into you. Those who wonder at the greatness of God do not wander from the greatness of God. There's only one book, and I'm thankful because I'm not smart. Only one book. God keeps it simple. But get into it so that this can get into you, but also Harvest Church, that this will flow out of you. Oh, may Florida not be the same because of what God is doing in this church. God is recapturing our feelings. He's recapturing our thinking because he's recapturing us. 
God is good. Let's pray. Let's pray to the Lord. Focus. Focus. I'll tell you one secret as you pray, okay? The reason why you need to get into the Word of God is because when the Word comes into you, worship comes out. If you go to any retreat revival, the first night or the second night, it is challenging. And the reason why is because our minds, our hearts are so full of sin. And we're thinking like that. But as you get into the Word of God, as the Word of God gets into you, God starts to purify your heart. And that's why that last night of worship, your heart just wants to explode because God has been cleansing your heart over and over and over again of the junk of this world. Oh, get into his word so that his word can get into you and that you may live for him. You know, Disney World says, it's a place where dreams come true. Kind of. But God's word that's what's true. And that helps you to dream dreams. Kingdom dreams of what is true. Harvest Church, pray to the Lord. Think about him. And love him. Pray to the Lord for a little bit. Pray that you may just bless this church abundantly. From the youngest to the oldest, recapture us, Lord. For those that are in school, may we not think that school and learning only takes place in that classroom, but Lord, may we know that this is your classroom too. And that God, that you're our teacher. For those of us that are outside of school, Help us to yearn to learn. Help us to yearn to burn. So God, get your word into us. May we never be so obstinate, stubborn, stupid to think that we know it all. Because we don't know it all. But God, you are so good. There is so much more to learn of you. How great is your love. There will never be a God like you. A God so true. Press into us. Your mind, press into us. Your hearts, press into us. Your love, God. So that we can leave an impression on this world for your name's sake. The name above all names. The name that saves not only from hell, but the name that saves us from ourselves. Oh God, you are our hope. You are our shalom. You are our peace. We thank you, God, for being so good. And we end this time before we go into communion by saying that old childhood song, God is so good. You are so good to me. We love you, Lord. Pray in Jesus' name.